Hi, welcome back to Recovery His Way. I'm Stuart Whiting. We're on the campus of His Way in Huntsville, Alabama, joined once again by Director Tom Reynolds. Good to see you, Tom. Good to be back, Stuart. So we want to continue in our discussion of our mission statement and really how that informs a lot of what we're doing here on campus. Can you share that with us again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our mission statement, which kind of does become foundational to everything we do, um, begins with the first statement, reclaim men from a life of addiction, which is obviously the first part we've discussed, rebuild their lives in spiritual sobriety, and then the last thing is, and restore them to Christ-like service in the community. Yes, yeah, so we want to get to that last phrase today, but just as a refresher, in talking about reclaiming men, we're really talking about that we, we recognize their value and innate worth, and I know a lot of our guys maybe come in and don't know that about themselves or or maybe worse than that they have a lot of negative thoughts about that oh absolutely i mean there's a lot of na- what we talk about negative self-talk you know it's kind of that mm-hmm. playing those tapes and keep telling yourself about you know, what you see in the mirror just kind of that negative kind of beat down yourself yeah. and you know that's where the worldview the christian worldview really um is quite separate from a lot of others voices that are out there about you're not just uh, what you're worth based on what you produce or um, you know what you can accomplish, but really just because you're um, you're made in the image of God and He's called you for a purpose. And then we move on to restoring, and we talked at length about uh, generally when guys come, there's an immediacy to some physical situations or circumstances that need to be addressed and are really you know, all that that can be seen in that man's life at that point, but. And we certainly are trying to address that, but moving beyond that to this idea of spiritual sobriety. Right. I mean, I think really getting wholeness within, I mean, kind of, you know, we want to work from the inside out with um, these, with all the guys that come here. So really helping them gain a sense of spiritual sobriety and then see that then work itself out in their lives becomes not only um, the rebuilding part in terms of the reconciliation and that sense of wholeness, but also gets to the the last part about restoring them because it's that working that out that then goes from just their personal situation out back into the community. Yeah, so let's talk about what what we mean when we say restoring uh, men to Christ-like service in the community. Right. Well, for people I'm listening or watching this too that are exposed to any kind of addiction, it doesn't have to be just an addict, but... Um, Fundamentally, um, a, an addict deals with life from a taking vantage point. Um, you know, the old adage, you know, that we have that um, nature abhors a vacuum. Mm. The, um, and and any time, and for addicts particularly, there's a sense of emptiness within, which then creates this sense of vacuum and sucking. And so you immediately begin to engage every resource with how do I get more, whether it be drugs or whether it be girlfriends or whether it's, you know, every time I talk to my parents, I'm trying to get money or get a ride or get a place to stay or everything becomes about get, 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 give, 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 give. I need to get everything I can out of life, which is ultimately when families come in. So it's interesting at that 30-day meeting because they're still in that relationship. In fact, I had a conversation with a father um, just yesterday where um, his his son had called him and needed some things but the father's response was, I don't even know if this is true. I don't even believe. So, you know, he wanted me to call him and then kind of explain what's going on. And he said, well, yeah, all those things are exactly. And it's so hard for me to even believe that what he's telling me is true because I'm so used to the con and the deception for 
30 some years, right? You know, that all of a sudden, you know, I can't just flip a switch and in a few short months believe that he's telling me the truth. Um, and we, I talked about that with the resident too, that, you know, it's going to take time for his parents. He can't be upset with the fact that they're not believing him and need validation. Um, that's reasonable. It may be reasonable for a long time in terms of rebuilding and restoring that relationship. And it seems like that must be one of the real tough things in dealing with the families that they certainly have a lot of love for their for their son or their husband or father or whatever it may be. And and yet there's this other history now and quite lengthy history oftentimes of uh, we don't even know how to, how to have a normal relationship right. with, with him. Right. And there's just such a dramatic change because, you know, about the time that most of these guys come into our program, they've just left their families in devastation, mm. in havoc. I mean, it was chaos. I mean, it might have been, it might have been a domestic violence situation just, you know, a few days before they entered the program or, or, you know, they got a bunch of stuff stolen from them because they were out stealing stuff or whatever it was. And so now they've come in and when they come back into that 30 day meeting, just 30 days mm. after all that, they're still kind of there, and the resident may have really grown a lot during the time, typically does. And so, you know, now the family has to start catching up with where that person is, and they're still dealing with a lot of resentment and bitterness over um, the things that had happened, you know, 30 days before, and then the track record of those things over the years. So, um, yeah, that's um, a big change. And so, what we obviously um, teaching our guys that they have to be patient with the fact that their support community may take longer than they would like for them to kind of jump on the bandwagon of this new um, transformation that they're that God's bringing about in their lives. It may take time. And I think it's important, I always try to instruct families, that it's important that they be honest about that. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times families feel resentment, feel suspicion, feel um, hesitation, but they don't want to burst their bubble. They don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. And so then they'll be stuck in a bad place because they can't be totally honest. And so they're kind of secretively not trusting while they're acting like they're trusting. And then people read through that quickly mm -hmm. and you see that people aren't being genuine honest. And so one of the things that we try to have a conversation about in those family meetings is, hey, you know, the family's needing to recover as much as the addict needs to recover. And, um, and their recovery may take longer and they're not in a program to do it. So it's, you know, it's just inter intercepting that at different points instead of a full, you know, 24 seven kind of environment to do that. So I think that's really um, is important in the process. Um, so this begins almost the first part of this restoring to Christ-like service and community. The first community is gonna be their family. Right. Is really rebuilding, that's the most obvious one. I mean, oftentimes, what other community work community is probably blown away and, you know, don't have a good relationship anymore with those people. Or hopefully the community of people that maybe they were around running on the streets, we're trying to take them out of those communities. But certainly the family front and center and really trying to focus on starting to rebuild bridges and, and, and rebuild trust in those areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so one of the things we try to recognize them is that as they start, as we start filling them up on the inside, hopefully with the biblical message and a Christ-centered perspective and hopefully a transformation of identity, mm -hmm. that then their lives should start moving in the opposite direction where it becomes about giving instead of taking. Mm -hmm. And so we try to put a lot of things in place right away to help encourage that. 
Um, and I think it really, and so this idea of service, restoring them to Christ-like service, service becomes a big part of it. You know, we um, from the from the very inception of their arrival here, we've been doing you know uh, um, the feeding the homeless thing every Saturday, and we encourage the guys get up, let's go do that together. And um, and I've t- it's been interesting because I've talked to the guys who have come back recently, and you know talk about how they want to do it different this time if they didn't get everything they could have out of the program. And one of the things says, I never got up on Saturday morning. I never got up and did that. I never turned. I never turned the corner on service and really I was thinking of the program in terms of what can I get out of the program instead of how do I give to others and so one of the things they were emphasizing is the need to to get up on that Saturday morning early at, you know leaving here at 6 30 in the morning getting down there helping to feed the homeless and helping to give becomes an important part of the formula and this transformation we're talking about yeah and you know there's the path of least resistance principle that you know, water and electricity follows, and most people follow that. And that's that's um, takes ec- extra effort now to think beyond myself and be looking. Oh, we have this this way I can serve, and yeah, but it's not required. So you know, I can just hang back, get a little extra sleep, and but the the you know the interesting part of that is yeah, it takes effort, but the blessing is there. That's where that's where you're going to find. Uh, these hidden treasures of transformation that you're not going to get other places. Right. And, and and one of the things that I try to teach in the classes that I teach with the guys is the importance of recognizing these are identity issues. You know, you talk about filling mm-hmm. up with identity. And uh, I have open here, you know, John 13, and some may be familiar with the washing of feet. You know, we're familiar with the fact that Jesus got down and washed the feet of the apostles as part of the his service action in context of that Last Supper. Um but what's interesting to me is um, there's a couple of verses here as this is happening. I think that John includes that I try to spend time with the guys and really dwell on because I think it's a fascinating statement. You know, John does it's not good, it's just good enough for John to say, "Well, it's Passover. Jesus got to wash the feet. Got some dirty feet. Yeah. Someone needs to clean them." Right. Um, he says in verse three, he says, "Jesus." knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and began to wash their feet. We don't always get the motivation in the Gospels, but here very specifically. Right. And, and one of the things it says here is Jesus knew three things. He knew that he had all authority. Mm. He knew where he'd come from and knew where he was going. And that because he knew those things... He then was motivated to serve. And what, what I, I don't know what your feeling of that is or perception of it is, but one of the things that kind of struck me is if I know my past is resolved, my future is secured, and my ident- current identity, my status is resolved, I know those three things, then I have an inherent sense of security about myself. Yeah, for sure. And that therefore I can serve out of a sense of genuine security and identity. Whereas in a lot of cases, people serve with kind of that tit for tat, I scratch my back, you scratch yours, or an obligation of some kind. But Jesus genuinely was serving out of this pure sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when I teach this, I think it's really important that the guys see resolving their past, securing their future, and understanding their current status in their relationship with God, all those things are key to helping them be able to have healthy relationships with other people that aren't about sucking, they're about giving, they're about genuinely being engaged people for their benefit. 
And that's difficult because in a lot of cases, and it's not just addicts, every, uh, every, I know a lot of people, including myself yeah. at times, struggle with, you know, doing things for right motivations. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to help these people because, hey, you know, they, I owe them, you know, or if I do that for them, they might help me out later in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the illustrations I give to the guys sometimes is, have you ever held the door open for somebody have them walk through and not say thank you and you're mad about it. Right. <laughs> you know, because you're really expecting something back. Mm-hmm. Whereas a genuine servant is simply serving because I view myself as a person who holds doors. Mm. And you don't need to do anything. There's no obligation on the person walking through the door. It's purely out of my identity that I serve and I give in, in any of these things. And there's no strings. And, you know, all of us know the feeling of even when somebody's helping us and, and there's strings. You know, it's yeah. like, it's almost like they're doing something. You're like, oh no, right. I owe them. You know, sometimes we can feel that way in restaurants. You know, the servers are real polite. Usually they get more polite as the tip time comes, right? You know, you notice, oh wow, there's kind of an agenda here. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. I understand the, the system we have in place, but you know, you see the sense of uh, an absence of genuineness yeah. in that where Jesus at the core was genuinely who he was. And it was out of that, and I think that's one of the reasons why service is so important in what we try to teach here as well as in the Gospels, is it's it's really an expression of identity. Yeah. And so as we help guys allow God to transform their identity and change how they see themselves, then helping them to practice service becomes kind of the natural outgrowth and becomes one of the ways that they can begin to practice. And it becomes kind of a self-perpetuating thing. As I serve, it reinforces that identity. As that identity grows, it reinforces service. And so it becomes an ongoing propagation of maturity in that particular area. Yeah, there's a lot of counterintuitive parts to this, like even... uh in, in the Bible, the New Testament talks about giving beyond your means, giving sacrificially. And you think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why, you know, why would I, why would I not give what I can afford at, at most? Because there is this, the unseen, the spiritual, the transformation part of this. Right. When you now, your faith is moved from, you know, what exactly my bank account looks like to now into God, and that's that's what we that's what we need. That's the relationship we need is is to have that kind of dependence upon God for all those things. And when we experience that, oh, now I can say that's why it's a blessing to give more than to receive. But ahead of time, you're, it's going to be very hard to convince me of that. And right. and that happens here. I know with you know telling our guys, you know, day one they're either probably going to be serving in the kitchen. Or they're going to be serving and volunteering at one of our thrift stores in the afternoon. And well, what's this have to do with you know? What does this have to do with my recovery? Why am I you just you know? What are you doing? Why don't you pay someone to do this? And it's like, well, we're trying to build up you know some muscle memory at first, um, but it can click in for you and realize, okay, there's something outside of myself that maybe right. I haven't experienced. In right. Time. And like you mentioned there, you know, as G- after Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, and it says, in terms of the lesson he teaches, he said, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? Mm. And um, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another's feet. I think it's always interesting because you expect kind of here to say, because I've washed your feet, now you would wash my feet. Mm -hmm. And no, that's what he says, just wash each other's feet, right? And then he says, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater as master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You do them. And I think that's so critical. Um, most of my faith is built on action. You know, James talks about that. Faith without deeds, faith without actions, dead, right? So um, it's not that, you know, my doing is a, is a, is the obligation of my faith. It's an experience of my faith. It becomes the way in which that muscle memory is built. And he says here, you're blessed when you do it. Mm. If you're not blessed when you know it. You're not blessed when you realize it. You're not blessed when you think about it. You're blessed when it becomes a practical expression of your life. And I think that's one of the things we want to help our guys do is have concrete ways that they can begin to express back. And I think that's a big paradigm shift in yeah. terms of what we do here because they walk through the door having gotten 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 to the point that they burnt everybody out and burnt all their bridges and we're just maybe one more we're one more source of the right getting. right and now they just right now it's just we're become the new one because what happens is they bounce from person to person right they've couch surf from one friend to another until they spent all their bridges there they've gone from relative to relative and we become the next one that they're going to use to to do the same thing so that's what we're trying to do is change that paradigm and so that's why i mean from day one you know we want them to be in the kitchen serving we want them to be going to the volunteer at one of the thrift stores we want them to get involved in giving and having and recognizing that they have resources in them that they can begin to pour out in other people and see themselves instead of just seeing themselves as takers. Yeah, I've seen some uh, beautiful versions of that where uh, maybe we have guys come in that can't read very well. And then, you know, we don't have tutor volunteers here. And so we recruit someone within the residential um, makeup and right. say, hey, can you help? And man, that's that's actually phenomenal to see right, and right. where now a guy because it's it's not a big group effort it's not a you know it's not nebulous it's i need to help this person read this material and answer these questions and that's right. very tangible and at least the impression i've gotten every time i've seen that is what a blessing that and it's realized by the one who is doing the helping in that right way. i mean I, i'm sure you remember when um we had patrick here patrick, and yeah. patrick had a hard time with reading and comprehension was basically illiterate and Scott kind of came along and um, and tutored him all the way through the program, and he executed everything on time. Um, and they even graduated together, and it was this big celebration because it was really a mutual gra graduation in which Scott was probably got more out of that than Patrick did um, just by being able to serve Patrick that way and see that and the bond that that created for them. Yeah, and you can't you can't explain to someone how important that's going to be to them until they start to walk through it and spending time and then you realize and reflect, wow, this, I, I'm really doing something meaningful for this. Not, not to get, he, in that case, Scott could not get anything from Patrick. Right. Long term. Right. Uh, it was just the fact of, of serving. And, you know, going back to, to John 13, you have the extreme version of that, right? Where Jesus is washing Judas's feet right. for crying out loud. And it's like, and, I, and he, we know from the, as the story unfolds, he knows that his betrayer is among him in this right. in this story and he's washing his feet and he's washing peter's feet and who what's he going to get from peter's a flat denial and and so it is a great message for us not to 
not to be looking for the strings attached. And and even and unfortunately in our social media, you know, day I can I can document the whole thing, right? Like, right. hey, look at yeah. what I'm doing for this right, person. Right. And of course Jesus has something to say, you know, about that also. But don't don't be doing your good deeds. Be seen by people. To be right. seen by people and get the applause of God knows and So that paradigm shift is critically important. And one of the pragmatic things I always tell guys, you know, Jesus says that, in fact, he says it right in here in John 13, right? When he kind of summarizes the commandments, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great commandments. And so uh, what I always teach the guys and emphasize to them is so be intentional each and every day. When you get up in the morning, I mean, the real practical thing we talk about sometimes is put your slippers way under your bed. So the first thing you gotta do is get on your knees mm. to get your slippers. And so you spend that moment to pray, just to kind of humble yourself and pray and say, okay, as I begin the day, it's not about my, I'm not, so my first thought when I open my eyes and when my mind clicks on is not about me, which is an addict's thought, is how do I feel? What do I want? What do I need? What am I gonna get today? Who am I gonna call? But it's God and prayer. And then the second thing you do is once you put your slippers on, you go get a cup of coffee for somebody else. You go do something immediately for somebody else and you orient your day toward God's going to be first, I'm going to serve others second, and then I'm going to fit in the equation down the road. And I think if we can develop that pattern of thought, that, that can be revolutionary in terms of really changing that paradigm and changing things. And that, you know, there's passage in Galatians where um, Paul writes this, you know, he says, for freedom you were called, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, right? So as they were discovering freedom from the bondage of addiction, the first thing, they go, oh man, now I can do whatever I want. I'm free, right? But then he says, but, but um, through love, serve one another. Channel that freedom into service. Yeah. And that's really the gospel message is now bringing that freedom that you've experienced in Christ the choices that you now get to make. You're not waking up every morning just jonesing for the next drug that you can find, but you have a freedom from that. I have some energy now. I can pour into something other than just satisfying my flesh. What's that going to be? Is it going to be another flesh pursuit or is it going to be service in the kingdom for others? And I think that's really the key shift. I think it's right there in that same passage where Paul says, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love, which is, (laughs) <laughs> um, wow, what a what a phrase that is, and which goes back to God first and people second there, and thinking of Jesus answering the lawyer asking him, "What's the greatest command?" Right. And it sounds like he's just making sure if I can knock off number one, I'm going to be okay. And you know, and he says, "Well, you, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and second is just like that. It's love your neighbor as yourself." And the simplicity of the message um, is on display. It's hard to live out. I do think it's interesting in that in that in that conversation that the lawyer says, "Well, then, who is my neighbor? Right. <laughs> you know, right. I want to make sure that you know you're not asking too much of me because right. wow, to love your neighbor as yourself." is quite enough to be getting on with in life. And, and how terrible it would be to actually be loving somebody and then discover, oh, and they're not my neighbor, so I just wasted I wasted all that, right? <laughs> I didn't make that, that goodness with God. And of course, that's where the story of the Good Samaritan right. is told and said, you know, it's it's the person that you probably think God hates because you the Jews thought the Samaritans were outside of God's covenant. And he's like, no, that's the guy that can show what love is to you. And uh, it's quite a, a, a revolutionary type teaching that uh, this this love I'm talking about, this service I'm talking about, 
it's got to be for its own sake to to any and everyone and not just who you think is worthy or who you think you can get something from as you were saying and and i, I tell other people when i'm talking about his way um that haven't been around addiction I, I do get the sense that the residents by and large are coming in they're used to using people and they're used to being used right you know, on both ends of this and i think it's hard maybe for them to have this even an idea of what a real genuine relationship where I'm looking out for the other person and they're looking out for me right. in a way that's just, you know, that what Jesus is calling us to. And, and I hope that we're showing that to them here. I believe we are. Yeah, and that's one of the, I remember one of my favorite experiences happened a number of years ago. There was a new resident here who came from jail and had nothing. Um, he went through his 30 days, didn't have any real resources out there to help him at all. And uh, he got around to the time that he would be looking for a job. Um, and he pretty much just wore the same clothes every day and they weren't really good clothes for going and getting a job. And uh, remember they, the, all the residents got together and uh, they all, um, you know, here's my shirt, this will fit you, these shoes will fit. I think this belt works good, these mm -hmm. pants look good. I think these socks match better than those socks. They got him all dressed up and they literally paraded him into my office just to say, look, we got him ready for his That's job great. interview. Look what we've done. Yeah. And it's that kind of genuine service that just um, really resonates the kind of love that I think Jesus is trying to instill within each of us. And, you know, and I, I think I can name some names of graduates of the program who are part of staff or here on campus that really embody this, that they're the most giving, serving uh, people in a way that would shame um, most, I, I would say most, I, I don't want to overstate it, but a lot of Christians that are, you know, in kind of the bubble of Bible study, school and church and maybe aren't really actively a part of some sort of like really giving and really looking out for someone because some of the guys on campus, you know, they'll, they'll open up their wallet when I know they don't have a ton to help to help someone in need, right. or they'll inconvenience themselves for hours to go drive someone somewhere because I think because they know their identity. They, mm -hmm. they, they, they have, they have overcome an addiction. They have, you know, they're on they're in recovery and they, they know, Hey, I, I, this is what I want for this next guy too. I want to help them any way I can. Yeah. And the, the ultimate thing that I think really brings that transformation is, you know, when you wake up every morning and you have a reason to get up and it's for somebody other than you. Mm -hmm. um, very years ago, observing that, you know, sometimes when you see a young married couple and they're squabbling and all that, you're thinking, you know, if they could just have a kid and they have a reason to wake up other than how they feel about the other person, that might be the best solution to the problem when they get outside themselves, mm -hmm. when it becomes about serving and getting up because it's somebody else needs me today instead of, how do I feel? What am I going to get? And those kind of things. And I really think that shift is a critical one in really bringing genuine Christ-like sobriety because that's what Jesus, Jesus didn't come here to take. Jesus came here to give and to serve and ultimately give his life up as a ransom for many. So that's what the path of the cross is about. Yeah, and we wear the name Christian, Christ-like, then we move into that way of thinking. And, you know, it's not just to fulfill a command as we're talking. It's it's, it's really what we were built for. Mm -hmm. You can go back to page one of the Bible, created in his image and created to be in community. And unfortunately that breaks down very quickly when sin enters the picture. Um, but, you know, we are created to have a dominion over our realm. And that means, I mean, the, the true ruler or leader is the one who is making sure everyone in their sphere 
is taken care of is I'm looking out for your interest um, even you know more than than my own because we're collectively you know we were we're knitted together in a way that's very meaningful sure and so I uh, appreciate that's at the heart of what we're doing here and I think it does uh, show through all right well um, good conversation maybe we'll have one more week on our mission statement as we move on to some other things and we appreciate you joining us today and if you have any questions about the ministry uh, Go check us out on the website at hiswayinc.org.